and welcome to She Thinks a Podcast, where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, John Androzik of Five for Fighting joins us to discuss his new web docuseries titled Meet the Heroes. We'll also discuss the censorship he's experienced for being outspoken on the Afghanistan withdrawal and what he thinks the effort to silence people meets means for society. You may know the name John Androzik because he has been on Fox News and other outlets quite a bit talking about this issue, but he is also a songwriter, producer, and performer better known as Five for Fighting. His collection of heartfelt songs have found their place in the great American songbook and continue to stand the test of time, selling over 2.5 million albums, including the platinum America Town and the Battle for Everything. His worldwide single Superman went platinum and became an anthem for the heroes of 9-11, and his standard 100 years went two times platinum and continues to give every age group a lifetime's moment of reflection and nostalgia. John, it is a pleasure to have you on She Thinks today. Thanks, Beverly. Uh, Nice to be with you. Thanks for that kind introduction. And so we are going to get into the censorship you have faced. We're going to get into your docu-series. But I felt that since you were willing to serenade us a little bit today, (laughs) we could start off by remembering one of your great hits. So do you mind as we begin the conversation, play, play a little for us. I can't stand a fly. I'm not that naive. I'm just out to find the better part of me. I'm more than a bird, more than a plane, more than some pretty face beside a train. It's not easy to be me. There's an oldie but a goodie. An oldie but a goodie. I have listened to your music over the years, and something I have appreciated is that you're very good on the keys. I played the piano growing up, majored in college uh, in it. So I wow. loved your music. So thank you for sharing your gift and talent with us, even via guitar today. So thank you for that. Um, I know just to let everybody know, you are also going to be playing another song at the end of our podcast today. So they definitely should stay tuned for that. But I just want to get into the big segue, which is how do you go from music to getting into this political arena, producing a music video that gets banned from YouTube for, for a little while? It has been reinstated. We'll talk about that. But what has this transition been like for you? It's certainly been surreal. Uh, I had no intention of writing a song. I, I'm not a person who uh, gets political or, or talks about uh, my my politics with my music, but it was very personal for me, Beverly, when, when the Afghanistan debacle first took place. Uh, the day after our soldiers left, I got a call from a friend and uh, she needed a contact. And I said, okay, what's going on? And, and she said words I'll never forget. She says, I'm organizing evacuations of American citizens from Afghanistan. And there was just silence on the line. And my friend, you should have her on this podcast. She is one of the most incredible people in the world, does incredible humanitarian work for decades in Africa. And I said to her, you're risking your life to go rescue the people we left behind. And she said, yes. And I started writing a song that night as a cathartic exercise. I was so angry. Um, and, uh, and the song finished itself when the president gave his extraordinary success speech. That scared me. Um, it was so Orwellian. I, I was hoping that General Milley and Austin would come out and clarify that extraordinary success. But when they didn't, I realized it was a political exercise. And uh, it scared me for the things to come. And uh, we're experiencing some of those as we speak. But that's what really was the kind of impetus for the song. And then when I saw the reaction from our 
our veterans, I felt it important to have one statement from a songwriter in tradition of the, the protest songs of the 60s and 70s of images and commentary. And that's where the video came from, to have at least one historical statement from one artist talking about this generational moral shame that we've committed in Afghanistan. And that song is called Blood on My Hands. This is a video that was posted on YouTube and then YouTube for a time took the video down. What reason did you get from YouTube on why they took down the video? Well, it was very interesting. Uh, they took down the video, they said, for graphic images. But uh, the rest of the story is they'd already vetted the video. Uh, they put a, a age restriction on the video when they initially posted it which I appreciated. I put a graphic warning uh, card before my video because I had to show Taliban atrocities. That's what's happening. So the fact that YouTube only took it down after it started to resonate and maybe get some tweets from some senators uh, was very suspicious. And you're right, over, over a day or so, they, they initially apologized and they put it back up. But that, I think, was only because of the outcry from folks like you and your organization, who actually was very helpful in demanding they put the video back up. But again, I think it's just another example of you know censorship to one worldview. Um, and the fact that uh, many artists don't have people with millions of followers on Twitter demanding YouTube put their video back up, I think, speaks to the the culture at large. So it goes way beyond my song. You know, we'll never know if YouTube took it down for political reasons, but I'll tell you what I do know is, is the reaction to it. I got more requests from Russia propaganda media than the mainstream media, entertainment media, music media like Rolling Stone wanting to talk about free expression. And whether you like my song or not, that we have this ability and this right to speak to power. And the fact that that occurred is even more chilling than YouTube to me. Yeah. Um, and I think speaks to, to a big problem in our culture. And one of the things that I think is is just interesting about the reasoning that YouTube gave you for taking down that video, video they talked about the graphic images. You are correct. There are graphic images that are shown because it's depicting the, the atrocities that took place and are taking place in Afghanistan. But don't other videos have these types of, of images? Yours is not the only one that shows this. Have you seen other videos, whether it's a music video or just a more B-roll style videos, have these types of Im images with no content warning whatsoever? Well, you're right. I mean, the first thing I did when they took it down is I Googled YouTube Taliban atrocities. And within five minutes, I found a dozen videos that had images much worse than mine, some with faces not blurred out, and YouTube was monetizing those. So again, I think, you know, the more you look at it, uh, it it's, look, it's censorship of one worldview. Um, it, and again, it's, it's not the first time, it won't be the last time, and we can sit and whine about it, or we can just power through it. And that's my plan. I, I you know, I'll go above, around, or through them, because this Afghanistan issue speaks to who we are as a nation. And, uh, and I think it's not going away. And uh, it's a moral crisis, humanitarian crisis, national security crisis. And I'm happy to see that the video, as well as other folks speaking up, has kind of kept Afghanistan on the front foot. Um, because, uh, you know, just before this call, I was on a Zoom with an organization evacuating American citizens, evacuating allies, evacuating gay and lesbian people, uh, female judges. Um, so the, the, the positive side of this nightmare 
is there are people keeping the promise. And I look at them and, and I say, that's who America is. This administration will be gone. But those people are who we who is who America is. And that gives me hope every day. And I'm wondering if we have come to the point where maybe the tide is turning a little bit, where this silencing of people um, being called names, if you don't stay quiet, whatever it happens to be, that is getting to the point where enough people are fed up. So of course, most recently we've seen what has happened to Joe Rogan and people yeah. trying to censor him just by interviewing people with different perspectives, just by wanting to have a conversation. Do you think that we are getting to the point in time where People are becoming more bold to to speak up for you, you, for example, who are saying, look, they're going to try to silence me. But the reality is the American people want to have productive debate and discourse. And they think that is the way to find true information. You know, you see you see examples of that in the culture. I think Youngkin winning in Virginia with mothers speaking up, saying, I'm not going to accept uh, that you're teaching my children that they're born racist. I think people that maybe a couple years ago would have hesitated are starting to. You still see very few people in the arts speak out. Um, even with my video, only one person, John Rich, uh, came to, to, to my support. But I do think that that's true. With, with every voice, whether it's a songwriter, whether it's a podcast, whether it's somebody in a PTA meeting standing up and saying, you know what, I don't think this is right, and I don't care what names you call me, um, I'm going to speak my mind because it's too serious. And, and Afghanistan, I think, is a mirror to our country. I think it transcends so many other issues that we talk about on, on the podcast and, you know, abortion, immigration, taxes, inflation. Afghanistan is who we are as a nation. Are we Normandy? Are we the folks that brought down the Berlin Wall? Or are we a nation that abandons our citizens and allies to terrorists? So I think, I think there's a reason the president's poll numbers have not recovered. It really started with Afghanistan. And I think in our gut, I don't care what your politics are. I've said from the beginning, if Donald Trump were president, I'd write the same song. Right. Only the names would change. In our gut, we know this moral stain that we've created and uh, that women are being murdered, children are being sold for food. So I think this Afghanistan thing transcends a lot of this stuff. So when you have these really critical issues, I think people like, forget it. I'm going to speak up, whatever the consequences. And that's, you know, I'll tell you the only thing, the only thing that made me hesitate to release this song was my daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter, I'm, I'm very lucky to be surrounded by incredibly independent women, strong women in my life, from my grandmother to my mother, certainly my wife. But my daughter is at a very liberal school. And I went to her and I said, look, this song's going to come out. Um, it's not a political song, but it'll be perceived that way. And you may get some blowback from some of your teachers and your colleagues. And I was just so proud when she said, you know, dad, if folks want to give me a bad grade or not be my friend because you're speaking this truth about people that we've left behind, um, I don't want to be their friend and I don't care about my grade. So, uh, you know, that was the one thing that I was a little concerned about. But when she gave me the go ahead, it was full steam ahead. That's wonderful. And out of curiosity, what has been the response from your your fans to this video? You know, to be honest with you, you know, we live in a political world, and it's uh, the only the only thing that saddens me is is I know people have a relationship with certain songs of mine. 
I have relationships with songs when I was a kid that mean a lot to me. And when they're perceived as political and, and I'm, you know, I'm criticizing aside, there are people who are angry and upset and, and, and I understand that. And frankly, if I'd written it about a Republican, there'd be the same people that are loving me would be hating me and the same people hating me that be loving me. I just understand that's the world we live in. But I have to say what I believe, you know, that the, the tradition of, of, of protest songs in the 60s and 70s, you listen to those songs, you listen to Marvin Gaye, you listen to uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, you listen to Neil Young, and you have a sense of the history of the times. So we need those songs. Uh, it's, it's a way to kind of mark history through music. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm one songwriter with a couple songs that folks know from 20 years ago. <laughs> I just wish there was a lot more folks having these conversations because you, you got it right. It's like, uh, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm wrong. But we have to have the conversation. And Neil Young wanted to shut down Joe Rogan. Um, and the media and Jen Psaki, you know, just basically saying, yeah, yeah, no, you need to censor him more. Um, that is a chilling, chilling state for our country. How can we move forward if we can't even have the conversation? And I know you guys deal with that a lot and you guys do a great job with oh, all of your members, um, standing up to that. Yeah, we believe in the freedom of association, the freedom of speech. And, and as I like to tell people who think that, well, we shouldn't let bad ideas fester or be discussed. I think the best way to expose things that aren't true, the best way to get rid of bad ideas is to actually bring them to the light and people have discussions. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid of discussion. We should be encouraging it. And I want to move now to the main reason we're having you here today, which is to talk about a new web docu-series that you're releasing called Meet the Heroes. So this is going to feature you interviewing heroic Americans who are involved in rescuing and evacuating American citizens, SIV holders, green card holders, um, persons at high risk in Afghanistan. Tell me about the origins of this docu-series, where people can find it and what they can expect from it. Yeah, well, after the song came out, I, I started getting thousands of emails from veterans um, basically saying, thank you for speaking my pain. And along with that, I started getting these emails from people trapped in Afghanistan. How surreal is that, that we live in a world where some songwriter is getting emails because the State Department um, will not get out our citizens or people we've promised to protect? So I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so I, yeah. I had some friends. Um, I started looking around and eventually I became embedded with Project Exodus Relief, which is one of these incredible organizations. I started talking to Scott Mann at, at uh, Pineapple, Zach Nunn at Argo, um, and I became embedded with many of these organizations. Uh, and I'm, I do their Zoom calls every every week. And the first couple of times I I. I almost cried because I, you know, we had the Zoom call and everybody's in their little box, and you know, it's it's uh, it's spouses, it's friends, it's veterans, and one person's like, "Oh, I got to go pick up my kids from soccer." Oh, but wait, here's this organ. You know, we got to do this evac tomorrow. We have this SIV holder, so they're organizing these sophisticated operations while they're just living their lives. Sometimes they're driving carpool, <laughs> but they're keeping the promise. And, uh, and I see it every day and it, it gave me so much hope. And a lot of these folks, you know, they kind of come from special forces. They're not used to being in the public eye. They don't like the public eye. 
But I kept saying, I wish America could see this. I wish America could see these people doing this, know their faces, you know, hear their rants, see them cry, see them celebrate when they get somebody out. I think America would have a different sense of what's happening. Um, when we talk about Afghanistan, we just feel this shame, but we should also feel this incredible pride for these folks. So I said, well, no one else is doing it. You know, maybe I'll just let me interview them and put them out and people can and meet them. Um, the first one I did with Congressman Mike Waltz, uh, because when I was looking for folks to help get people out, I called his office and they got people out. So he was a guy who basically literally with me and some other folks saved American citizens lives. So I'm like, he's a good place to start. Um, but most of the folks you'll meet are people nobody knows. And I want people to know them, see their faces, figure out why they do this, because um, that's what fascinates me. So uh, we got another one coming next week, and we'll be dropping one or two every month. And I, I hope folks find some time to, to really meet these heroes. I think it'll make us all feel better about ourselves. And in, in these interviews that you do, do you think that there is an overwhelming consensus that those who realize we need to do this in a private form, we can't rely on the State Department or the government to get these people out, do you think that there is a common sense, first of all, of shock at that and then an immense uh, intensity as far as I need to take this on myself to do it myself? I, I think all of us as Americans, when I heard that we were leaving people behind, it was just stunning to me and I, I couldn't process that. Shock is one word. <laughs> Anger, depression, um, frustration, the fact that they uh, and many of them veterans feel that they have to risk their lives, risk their treasure, quit their jobs, basically not sleep for four months to go rescue their fellow soldiers that maybe saved their lives. There's great anger um, at General Austin, General Milley, the president. Um, the fact that there's been zero accountability makes them crazy. Uh, they say, you know, if we make a mistake in the field, uh, we are certainly held accountable. So there's great anger. At the same time, they're soldiers and they they will run through a wall. And they said exactly they say exactly what you said. They said, look, if nobody else is going to do it, who's going to do it? So we're going to do it. And they still do it. But it's hard. I mean, resources are slim. It costs five to ten thousand dollars to get one person out. Um, the State Department's not only not helping, they've been hindering many of these efforts, which is, I think, even a greater shame than the withdrawal itself. The withdrawal was chaos. We made horrible moves. Um, but after the fact, even a year later, for the State Department to be hindering many of these organizations is unfathomable. And that story will be told as well. But they keep powering. Flights are going off again. People are getting out again. Um, but you're right. They don't understand you saw the suicide hotlines go crazy after Afghanistan. The PTSD is still there, but we have other efforts for them. You know, I'm, I'm actually working with a colleague of yours, uh, Megan Mobs, um, and some other folks from Save Our Allies, Sarah Verado. And we're doing things. We're putting together a concert for Afghan veterans because they need to know that their sacrifice was not in vain. We're going to celebrate the allies, our Afghan allies, and we're going to recognize these heroic groups that are keeping the promise. So um, we have a lot of things in store for them. Our veterans are the, the, the best. We love them. They're hurting. And uh, we have their back. 
Do you think that the veterans that you speak to know that Americans have their back? Do they feel that? I think they feel it to, yeah, it, it, you know, I think that they look at the media and nobody's talking about Afghanistan. Hmm. Um, I think they feel the media does not have their back. I think they feel the politicians do not have their back. Really sadly, I think they feel the generals do not have their back, um, which is very hard for them to take. But I do think they, they feel America and the Americans understand um, what they're going through. And, uh, and I think, you know, I think you'll see Afghanistan continue to be talked about. Just today, you know, on the Hill, there's, there's more policy coming. There's more investigations coming. And this is a bipartisan effort. I, I got to give credit. Senator Blumenthal, Senator Shaheen, Joni Ernst, who I talk to weekly, um, Tillis, go down the list. The senators in this country understand Afghanistan um, and they are taking action. So um, I think that gives our troops uh, some solace, but they will never be able to have closure until there is accountability, which to this point there has been none. Well, I think something like Meet the Heroes is a great start. I know you released the first episode at the beginning of this month, beginning of February. But for that episode and more, where can people go to see the this docuseries? Yeah, it's, it's on YouTube. It's also on Rumble in case YouTube takes it down. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can just go to my website, uh, fightforfighting.com. You can go on YouTube, Google Meet the Heroes. Uh, on Twitter, you know, you can follow me at John Andrasik. But yeah, if you just go on on Rumble or YouTube, Google Meet the Heroes, we'll be dropping another episode in a few days. Uh, And just check back every couple of weeks and please share it. I think, again, it's it gives everybody a sense of pride and uh, they are truly heroic. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to be able to introduce them to as many folks who care to watch. And I think it's encouraging to us Americans who also are horrified by what took place in Afghanistan. This Trump's politics, I don't think there's a political divide. I think all Americans watching it, even if they agreed with a withdrawal, thought that the way it happened was so problematic and so just horrific. And so we appreciate your work and to expose that. And so as we close out today, you have agreed to play a portion of Blood on My Hand. So I'm going to turn it over to you to give people a little taste of a uncensored version. We will not censor this song to give a little bit of that before we say our final goodbye. So John, take it away. Got blood on my hand. They're still Americans Left to the Taliban General Lawson is there No honor in shame Can you spell Bagram Without the letters in blame Did Uncle Joe Stick a drip in your veins Hands And I can't hear her scream If she's not, she's not She's not on TV And I can't hear him scream If he's 
not, he's not, he's not on TV. To every Afghan ally that we left behind, every child who won't know freedom faces covered and blind is for this American promise. Now, shit in the fire. Hands just want American. Asking what's happening. John Androsnik, thank you so much for helping us connect emotion with the music. Music does just help so much. And so we appreciate all that you're doing and for joining us on She Thinks Today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Beverly. And thank you all for joining us. Before you go, Independent Women's Forum does want you to know that we rely on the generosities of supporters like you. And investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting iwf.org backslash donate. That is iwf.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or a review. It does help, and we'd love it if you shared this episode and let your friends know where they can find more She Thinks. From all of us here at IWF, thanks for watching. <laughs>